0: Anne gave him such a serious lecture on the sin of stealing plum jam that Davy became conscious-stricken and promised with repentant kisses never to do it again. Anyhow, there'll be plenty of jam in heaven, he said. That's one comfort. Anne nipped a smile in the bud. Perhaps there will be, if we want it, she said. But what makes you think so? Why, it's in the catechism, he said. Oh, no, there's nothing like that in the catechism, Davy. But I tell you, there is. It was in that question Marilla taught me last Sunday. Why should we love God? It's a, it says, because he makes preserves and redeems us. <laughs> preserves is just a holy way of saying jam. The story of God's covenant with Abram is a hugely significant moment with wild and astounding promises made, even better than jam in heaven. To see this, we need only remember that this covenant, rather than Sinai's, was the fundamental one, the basis for all that followed in God's dealings with his people. To honor this promise, God rescued Israel from Egypt. In the book of Exodus, we read, the people of Israel groaned under their bondage and cried out for help and their cry under bondage came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham. To honor this promise, God sent his son into the world. In Zechariah's song, shortly after the birth of John the Baptist, Zechariah said, "'Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, "'for he has visited and redeemed his people. "'He did this to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father, Abraham. Because of its fundamental role, there is much to learn about God's covenant with us through God's covenant with Abram. So I'd like to think about three things we learned from this covenant. First, we learned that for his part, God is faithful to the covenant by fulfilling his promises. We all sometimes wonder about this at times, Perhaps you've wondered if God will ever make good on His promise to bring His just rule on earth as in heaven. Perhaps you're waiting for an answer to prayer that just doesn't seem to come. However desperate your situation, think about Abrams. God had promised to give him a land and to make of him a great nation. The problem was it had been 10 years already and Abram was no closer to the goal. He had no land in Canaan, no children, and he was old. From a human standpoint, his situation was hopeless. Yet as Paul would later say, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. But Abram was confused. He didn't understand how God's plan fit into his own life in his own circumstance. And it's important to realize that faith leaves room for confusion and questions. It's just that these take place within the context of a relationship of trust. So Abram asks a sign from God to confirm the promise. God's response, a little unexpected. He says, bring me a heifer, three years old. And we're told that what happens next is a sign of the covenant between God and Abram. How is that a sign? In the ancient Near East, this was a common practice, a fairly common practice. The idea was to cut two animals in two and put the sides of the animals opposite one another to create a path. And then the two members of the covenant, the two parties of the covenant, would walk through the pieces of the animal. And this would signify, essentially, may this happen to me if I do not fulfill my part of the covenant. What's interesting about this passage, if you've picked up, if you were paying attention, is that Abram was asleep for that part of the ceremony. And God alone symbolized through the burning torch and fire, passes through the pieces of the animals. The significance is that God is guaranteeing his covenant, even at the cost of his own life. He is faithful to the covenant by doing whatever it takes to fulfill his promise. But this does not always work according to our plan or on our time schedule. I wonder if you've ever grown impatient waiting for the Lord to act. Abram was losing patience. After all, little had happened these past 10 years. But Abram doesn't know the half of it. There were actually a few verses omitted from the passage that we read today, and in those verses, God tells Abram that a period of 400 years will have to transpire before this promise is fulfilled. If you're at all like me, you may start to lose patience with God if we have to wait four days, let alone 400 years. But God often works on a scale that is far greater than we can imagine. Abram was thinking of a single heir. God was planning descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky. God is faithful to his covenant promises, if not to our own timetable. Well, if God's part of the covenant is to guarantee his promised blessings, what is our part of the covenant? How do we show ourselves faithful? Well, what does our text say? Abraham believed the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. This is It's hard to emphasize how shocking a statement this is in Scripture. Righteousness means living a just and upright life before God, living according to the moral standard of God's nature and will. And it's obvious from the rest of Abram's story that he often fell far short of this standard. A few chapters before this passage, just to cite one example, Abram tells Sarai, his wife, to pretend she's his sister so that the Egyptians will treat him well for her sake. I suspect that didn't win him any brownie points, deceit, selfishness, betrayal, but Abram believed the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. What's happening here and here alone in the whole Old Testament is that a person's faith, their belief in God's promise, God counts as righteousness. In the same way, we do not keep our part of the covenant by upright living. If it were up to our good works, we would none of us get jam in heaven. Like Abram, we are faithful to the covenant by believing God's promise, and God counts our faith as righteousness. We may still, though, wonder how. How is it that God can count our faith as righteousness? In the sign given to Abram, God promised to make a way even at the cost of his life. Though Abram could not not know how this would be, he nonetheless believed, and we see in Abram's offspring the righteous one who made many righteous through faith at the cost of his life. Why should we love God? Because he makes, preserves, and redeems us. Davy would have us believe it has something to do with plum jam, but we know it's even better than jam in heaven. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord.